to the DeCesare Group podcast, the podcast where we discuss the latest economic development and business news in South Central Kentucky. I'm Jim DeCesare. Now on each podcast, I talk to individuals and decision makers who are in the know about the region's economy and business landscape. The DeCesare Group podcast complements our newsletter, Soki Economic Development and Business News. You can subscribe at our website, thedeCesareGroup.com, or on social media platforms like LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Now, in this week's podcast, I sat down with John Sowards last week. John is the president and CEO for the South Central Workforce Development Board. He's charged with facilitating a comprehensive workforce system that aligns regional and local economic development strategies while meeting the needs of South Central Kentucky employers and job seekers. Prior to his role with the Workforce Board, John served in the United States Army during a 24-year career, achieving the rank of Lieutenant Colonel. John's educational background includes a Bachelor of Science degree in Human Resource Management from Western Kentucky University, go Tops, a Master of Arts Liberal Arts degree from Louisiana State University, and a Master of Science in Military Operational Art and Science from Air University. John's professional certifications include uh, Lean Six Sigma Black Belt and the Sherm Veterans at Work Certificate Program. John has a wealth of experience and knowledge, and here's my interview with John Sowards. Hey, John, thanks for being on the podcast. We uh, really appreciate you stopping by and spending some time with us. Uh, Jim, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about workforce. Well, and we're just going to get right into it. So can you give us an overview of the South Central Kentucky Workforce Development Board and its mission? What do you do? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I always uh, uh, present that we are your local Department of Labor. That's the bumper sticker. So we serve employers. And we serve uh, uh, job seekers. So we try to connect uh, employers with the talent they need. We work with all job seekers, but specifically uh, try to assist those job seekers that have barriers to the workforce, overcome their barriers, and get plugged back in. All right. And where can you get the bumper sticker? (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding. Uh, So you're obviously helping employers and employees. So what, what are the key challenges and opportunities in the local workforce landscape the board is currently addressing? So what are some of your biggest issues right now? I think our biggest challenge as a board is the fact that this is such an economically vibrant region. Mm-hmm. We have so much growth going on and trying to, you know, trying to fill the, all the open jobs, the steady stream of open jobs uh, becoming available. And we're trying to do that uh, uh, under the backdrop of a national issue, which is low labor force participation. Right. And so, you know, that's a, it's a huge national issue going on right now and it, and we're and our region is not immune from it. So it's uh, it's trying to tackle workforce participation while at the same time trying to uh, plug in talent to all these companies that are either expanding or coming into the region right now. And we have talked on this podcast about workforce participation and, Right now, the numbers show that uh, the workforce participation rate in Kentucky is still lower than pre-pandemic levels. And so, you know, that's a big issue. And, and what do you think is causing that issue? <laughs> and, I, you know, I know you're, you, you're dealing with it every day, and I don't expect you to have the, the answer answer, but, but what are your thoughts on this? Sure. So, we, you know, we cover 10-county region. The good news is Warren County's labor force participation rate uh, is above the national average, so we're, that's a that's good. And what is that? Do you know off the top of your head? The national average? No, the Warren County. Um, it is close to sixty five percent. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's it's a, about that's two a... points better than the national average. Okay. So, I mean, for me, what that means is, you know, there's still an issue here, but it's a little tougher to move the needle when you're when you're doing so well. 
the nine surrounding counties, it is five to eight points below the national average. So we've, that's where we're concentrating our efforts right now. Why is it happening? I mean, there's lots of reasons. Uh, you've got a lot of folks that I think of it as a spectrum. There's folks on this spectrum that, are, uh, that aren't working that legitimately can't work. Maybe they have a disability. Maybe right. they're a caretaker of a child or a parent. Um, on the other far end of the spectrum, opposite end of the spectrum, you've got able-bodied people that could and should be working but aren't. And then in the middle, you've got a lot of people that maybe need some kind of accommodation, child care, transportation. Uh, maybe they have a disability, but they need some work accommodations to to be able to work in that environment. Or sure. maybe they... Um, or maybe people need flexible hours or things like that. And so um, there, there's a whole spectrum of reasons. And, but, you know, it's going to take all of us to kind of figure out how to bring more for the folks that are in the middle that need accommodations. How do we make those accommodations? How, how do employers make accommodations and how do we motivate, inspire people that need accommodations to get back and join the workforce? And, and those people that are, not getting back into the workforce, those able-bodied people. Now, could they be some of those people be working under the table or for cash, or, or are yeah. they counted? No, you're raising a great point. So we can't see those folks. Mm -hmm. So that's certainly we know that exists, and we don't. But we don't know the size and scope of that. Sure. Uh, similarly, there's also the whole gig economy that's really kind of immeasurable. It's really difficult to see how many people may be living here and working. But maybe they're working remotely or doing gig work on the internet. Yeah, doing a side hustle. Yeah, ten ninety nine job. Yeah, yeah, and we're not seeing it. So, so, so it's so there's no government. You know, the Bureau of Labor Statistics and other government that you don't see that very well. And so, you know, when we talk about our labor force participation rate, it, so it, it, let's say it's um, on average around sixty three percent. In reality, it's it's above that because there are people working either under the cable, under the table, or in some type of gig economy role yeah and uh but but you know you you take those individuals at the same time where they may be working but then they're also not contributing back into the system like other employers are you know through through their their taxes <laughs> that, that's true i mean they, they they would contribute maybe through uh through through uh, their purchasing power yeah yeah. But, but not not formally through uh, collection. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Local so, and state taxes. So is there a place where, um, it, you know, employers um, listening to this podcast could look, uh, could see the, the local workforce participation numbers? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, I mean, I, so I can answer that a number of ways. Uh, I don't know that we're publicly posting all of this. Mm -hmm. Um but I, I can do that, but we certainly, we send out reports. I've got my team right now. We're, we're going County by County and uh, working through every County's chamber of commerce to come out and do a workforce participation presentation. Okay. I'll be in, actually I'll be in Edmondson County this Friday in Hart County the week after that. And uh, that has been a very well received presentation because we're really telling each County here are the pockets of people in your County who aren't working. We're by age, by demographic group, and then we're giving, we're walking them through strategies to um, make accommodations and recruit and retain folks that that um, that aren't working, and, 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 and walking through walking them through strategies on how to bring them back into the workforce. So, but if if, if someone wanted to see the the county by county numbers, 
where could they go, or is there a place? I'd reach out to the South Central, South Central Workforce uh, Development Board. Okay. Uh, our website southcentralworkforce.com. Uh, we're on all social medias. Just connect with. There's a we. You know, no you're out there how, somewhere. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're out there in the ether. I mean, you can connect, connect whether it's social media or coming to our website. Uh, we have a we have an employer tab. Go to the employer tab. There's a quick form on there that that basically you fill out that form, which will take about a minute or two, and then we will re, we will engage you from there, and we we can have conversations you with you about workforce participation rates. We can talk to you about other labor market information. We can talk to you about subsidized internships, subsidized uh, OJT, uh, job fairs, any number of services that we provide. Well, that's a nice segue into my next question. You know, what, what does the board, uh, uh, how does the board work with local employers to identify their specific workforce needs and develop training programs to meet those needs? So you kind of, kind of touched on that. Yeah. I mean, and it starts with going to the website first and filling out the form. That's that's a way, yeah, absolutely. Um, or call, I mean, call me. I mean, whatever whatever it takes. There's a, um, I, I think we've done a good job over the last few years uh, locally. Of a lot of employers know who we are and what we provide. Yeah. You know, we're publicly funded uh, agency. Um, we are, you know, I. There, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of tools that we can we can bring to the table to help employers. We're not. What I what I'm always careful to tell employers we're not the end all be all we're not the only tool in the toolbox but we're a tool in the toolbox that can do some niche things right yeah. so I've mentioned subsidized internships uh, OJT re, uh, recruiting events um, we're you know through our workforce participation uh, presentations we're giving a lot of employers relevant tactics on uh, on 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 the pockets and and more importantly. Uh, Part of our message is you've got to take a marketing approach to recruiting people. Sure. And we're and as a workforce board with all the companies we work with, we don't see that being done very well. And that's a message that we're trying to get out. Like if you're gonna if you if you're looking to bring young people in the workforce, that's a specific type of message in a specific medium you gotta go after them on. You gotta think about that. Versus We've got a lot of baby boomers. We got a lot. We got thousands of people between forty-five and sixty-five who are not in the workforce. Right. Tell them, to, tell them to use a QR code to apply to a job is not the primary way you're going to get them. Right. You got to. You got to. You got to hit them with more traditional messaging, more traditional media uh, uh, mediums. Right. So, yeah. just having some nuance in how you go out and uh, and uh, market your opportunities. So anyway, we, we got a lot of tools in the toolkit that we can bring. We're working with – the other thing I would add here real quickly is that we work with niche populations that you're probably not going to find with staffing agencies um, or other other workforce entities. We we have developed really good inroads with our new American uh, population. Those are immigrants and refugees that sure. maybe weren't born here. We have a large population in, in, in South Central Kentucky, and we are having tremendous success with – with with this population, we've developed trust. We've developed word of mouth, and we are we are placing dozens of them a month into local company work with local companies. We've got we've made investments, um, and we have staff at Fort Campbell who are who are uh, attempting to recruit help help recruit uh, some of the five hundred soldiers a month that get out of the service at Fort Campbell to come work in South Central Kentucky. We've got we've got staff focused on reentry and recovery community. That's a like it or not, we have a large reentry and recovery community in the state, and a lot of those folks they they've got a barrier 
maybe more than one that need addressed to, mm -hmm. uh, for them to get back into the workforce. Um, so we, you know, so we're, you know, we, we focus on these niche populations, these niche pockets that are largely untapped. Yeah. So, uh, you, you mentioned the, uh, the baby boomer population that's, that's retiring. We have a, a large amount of workers in the 45 to 65, you know, we're, we're actually at a unique period in the, in the history of labor that you have so many different generations working together. You have traditionalist to Gen Z. Correct. And, you know, and everything in between, which includes the boomers, uh, Gen X, millennials, you know, all of those. And, and so for the first time in the history of, of labor, I guess, of, of, of monitoring labor, you have this broad spectrum of individuals that could be in a workforce now. And that's kind of a good thing because, um, you, you know, a Gen Zer can, can learn from a traditionalist and vice versa. Um, and then talking about Fort Campbell, uh, how, how does, how successful has that been getting, um, people that are coming out of the army to come into the workforce and stay in South central Kentucky or come to South central Kentucky more modestly than, uh, than, than I would like. Um, yeah. um, I, I know a lot of, t uh, and we're not the only community. I mean, a lot of communities along the, the border, especially in Western Kentucky, are courting those individuals coming out of the military to try and move here. I just don't see that needle being moved very much, but a lot of time and effort and money's being put towards that. Does that make sense? It does make sense, and that's that's uh, that is um, that's a reality. I mean, I, I would say that um, a couple things. One is the the state of Tennessee has got years and years of a uh, uh, head start on Kentucky. They, okay. Their their tax structure is much more favorable, much yeah. more enticing. Uh, I mean, if you just look at the geography, there's more right right around within 15, 20 minutes of Fort Campbell, all the industries in Clarksville. Right. With a little bit of industry in in Hopkinsville. Mm -hmm. And so just where's the opportunity? You know, it's in it's mostly in Tennessee. Um, so that, you know, so we're up against that. Um, you know, there's, there for years, there's been, you know, I know state, state lawmakers are, are always, uh, kind of be, you know, being asked to consider how do we make, uh, this state of Kentucky a little bit more favorable, um, for military retirees and for folks maybe that aren't retiring from the military. Um, but, but all that said, we, you know, we have a lot of opportunity here in, we're about an hour away from Fort Campbell, maybe right. a little bit more, depending on which side of Bowling Green or uh, you're on. Obviously, Russellville is very manageable drive from Clarksville. Sure. Um, so, I mean, we we have had success, um, it, but it you know it's uh, but it's tough work. I mean, the, the way every the way it's structured is you start talking to soldiers where they're when they're anywhere from. Uh, one to 12 months out from the military, but most of them are at least six to eight months out. Right. And when you encounter them, when you, when we have a staff member in this space, you know, they're going through a class on, uh, they're going through a class primarily given by the department of labor on, uh, you know, what to expect when they get out, how to write a resume, how to interview. And the, most of them are completely overwhelmed. They came in at 18. Mm -hmm. They've done one or two terms. You know, they're, they're, they're 23, 24, have never done a, never built a resume, never formally interviewed, don't know what they want to do. And we're saying, Hey, we got opportunities for you. Well, guess what? There's 
20 other companies telling them at the same time, we've got opportunity right. for me. So you, you know, really it's how well do you capture their attention, earn their trust and convince them that to, to stick with you and, 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 um, convince them that we've got opportunities and the, and the other side of that coin is we've got to have employers alongside. I can't hire them. My staff person can't hire them. I've got right. to have employers saying, Hey, we've got opportunities. So will you help us? Will you get, will you find service members that you can connect with us? And then those companies have got to make a competitive offer. I mean, they got to compete. Sure. So, hey, but I, I guess the, the long story short is, is that that is a resource. Fort Campbell is a resource. Uh, what about Fort Knox? Uh, any, any, relationships with them i know they're a little further away but they're actually they're actually about the same distance mileage wise um fort knox is a little bit of a we take a different approach to it fort knox is you know whereas fort campbell has about 500 soldiers a month getting out fort knox has 80 to 85 okay most of the folks at, at fort knox are much more senior much more experienced and so the opportunities they're looking for are higher level opportunities gotcha. and that's and they're, they're harder to play. So the, the, the current approach we're taking with Fort Knox, we're working with the um, WKU innovation campus and their co-create database. Um, they, the, the, the folks at WKU have an extension at, mm-hmm. at, at, at Elizabethtown. And yeah. so, you know, there's, you know, um, and this, we're, this is very early on, but we're, you know, the, we're trying to get up there, through through WK Innovation Campus and in encourage those folks who are very talented to if they're willing to uh, if they're willing to uh, put the resume into the co-create database because that that basically signals that if an oppor- if the right opportunity comes they would be willing to uh, locate or relocate to our region for it. Fantastic. Well, that that brings up another great question. How, how do you all collaborate with local educational institutions such as WKU, Sky CTC, our local boards of education and whatnot? Yeah, uh, good question. Um, so so the one of the things about being a local workforce board is it, it's all about collaboration. There's very little that, that we can do on our own. Right. So it's not only with education institutions, which I'll address in detail in a second, but it's also with we're very tied in with all the local resource providers. Adult Education, Office of Vocational Rehab, Goodwill, Adult uh, uh, Audubon Area Services, Community Action, because a lot of the times for the for the people that we work with and see, if they've got a barrier, it may not be a barrier we can address. So it's really important that we have the relationships, we have the ability to do warm handoffs between agencies and get people's needs met. Once you meet somebody's needs, then you can get serious about putting them into into work. Uh, but back to education, yes, we work very closely with uh, um, Southern Kentucky Community and Technical College, Sky CTC, Western Kentucky University, um, the Medical Institute of Kentucky, um, uh, Indiana Tech. So most most of our work is, I would say, the bulk of our work is with uh, Community College, Sky CTC. Yeah. But we but we're, we have relationships with all the. Um, uh, education institutions, because, you know, for us, if we, you know, we have federal funding to, um, you know, to help somebody um, go through and get a CDL or a, a certified nursing assistant, we're doing that through an education provider. So, and, and that, you know, that, that was going to be a question, you know, what types of programs, training programs and initiatives has the uh, board implemented to enhance the skills and employability of the local workforce and uh, working with those individuals, but are, are there certain skill sets that you are really targeting? 
Yeah, there, there's, there are, but there are also some challenges. There's opportunity and challenge. So, so um, you know, because we're funded through the federal government, there's a lot of governmental oversight. And um, every, every pot of money has a boundary. It has a boundary. And our, and our, and our pot of money is based on a formula. And, um, you know, one of the cruel ironies in this business is the more prosperous a region is, the less money we, w- we get as a workforce board. The, the, the formula the formula benefits less prosperous regions or right? sure. economically deprived regions like in our case, uh, you know, um, Eastern Kentucky or, or, you know, um, you know, uh, urban areas like Louisville may, you know, may right. get more than we do. Um, so, so yeah, so that, that's a, that's a challenge that we've got. And uh, but but you know I was asking about are there certain skills that you are targeting oh, yeah, yes, training yes. programs? Yeah, absolutely. So so okay, I saw so, that you lost your train of thought yeah, there I for did. a second. <laughs> I did. Yeah, so that's part of the challenge. So so you know because we're because we have to manage this funding and steward this funding, um, our board, our local policy is we will only spend up to five thousand dollars on somebody. Okay. And so that doesn't buy a lot of education, right? So what? So that's a, a good start though. It is. So we have to really focus in on what can we, what can we pay for that provides a good return on investment that, that puts somebody into a high skill, high demand, high wage sector. And so, you know, I'd say there's about a half dozen things that we're routinely funding. CDL is far and away the number one thing we fund. Uh, We put, it's four weeks long. Mm -hmm. Just about everybody we put through is, is going to work at $52,000 or more a year. Uh, Many of them are driving locally. So that's a great return on investment for, for the $4,800 or 40, for the $4,500 we spend on somebody. That's a four, good return. Four on weeks investment. later, they're going out and making $52,000 or more a year. And they're, they're in the, they're in the workforce. They're the taxpayers. You know, for, for, as we heard Ron Bunch say in our last show, you know, for every, for every dollar, it has a two and a half multiplier. So, you know, a, a $54,000 job. Uh, creates a uh, hundred hundred something thousand dollars worth of economic yeah. uh, activity for yeah. the community. Yeah. So that that that's uh, that's one we we um, we put a lot of people through that every year. And is that down in uh, Franklin uh, or do they primarily Sky CT in Franklin? But there's also a provider in Glasgow okay. that we uh, we probably send about twenty five thirty percent of our folks through that program. Super. So can you? Uh, Maybe share a success story or two about how the board has partnered with a local employer to address their their needs and achieve positive outcomes. I, I think I can give one that puts a bow on a lot of this. Sure, um, and hopefully Ron didn't mention this uh, in his podcast. Um, so so um, about a year and a half ago or so, the Bowling Green Chamber convened um, a bunch a heavy equipment committee made up of eight heavy large heavy equipment employers, heavy construction employers that serve this region. Like really, they serve about a 200-mile radius. Scotty, Stuart Ritchie. Scott and Ritter. Scott yeah. and Ritter. Yes. All, all the, the, the big, all, all came big to, heavy equipment people. <laughs> all of them, right. They all came to the table along with Sky CTC, Western Kentucky University, uh, Warren County Schools, Bowling Green Schools, uh, our, you know, our, our agency. And we just started meeting every few weeks about the need for heavy equipment operators and what could we do. How could we all contribute to create a talent pipeline? And so that, you know, so, so the chamber was the convener. Um, and then we were all kind of routinely showing up every, really every couple of weeks. And everybody was trying to figure out what skin in the game that they could put in. And so what, 
what I offered up was um, we recognized that in all of this, the, 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 the companies were willing to put equipment, actual equipment on mm-hmm. the table. Uh, the, the, the education institutions were willing to, you know, between Western and sky, you know, you know, they were, you know, willing to teach the Bowling Green chamber was willing to put land up. And so, um, so what started to, so, so there was contributions coming in. Mm -hmm. One of the needs that was recognized though, was if we're going to build a high school program, we need simulators because you can, you know, you, there's issues with putting a a 16 or 17 year old on a, on a bulldozer. Yeah. Yeah, Half million dollar piece of equipment that uh, can move a lot of dirt, (laughs) move a lot of dirt, right? Very expensive if you break it or, 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 you know, there's safety issues. Absolutely. So, so, but what we did is we, uh, I went after uh, in, in the, in the in the federal funding that comes into the state, there's always a, a percentage that's set aside that's called the governor's reserve or statewide reserve. So, um, my team, we wrote a grant to the state requesting uh, money f- to buy simulators. And it was a very arduous process. It was a lot of back and forth with the state because I asked for a lot of money. Ultimately, we ended up successfully uh, securing $392,000 from, from this money. Wow. It bought four um, state-of-the-art simulators plus textbooks for um, – for high school students and college students. So what what ultimately has what ultimately came together last summer was we got the simulators and the simulators they were a bit of a linchpin in this whole thing. Like getting them was kind of the, yeah. kind of the key to getting everything to fall in place. So once we had the simulators then SkyCTC um agreed to fund the instructor and put the instructor and, and, and put the instructor in Warren County schools to teach at the Warren County area technology center. Yeah. At the ATC, at, at the Trans ATC. Park. Right. And so at the trans park, you've got the Warren County ATC, which teaches the high school students and a couple hundred yards away is a sky CTC campus. Right. So, um, so what all, what all has, what all came together last summer is we got the, we got the simulators, we got the instructor Warren County, uh, in August, uh, started the first heavy equipment, science pathway program at the Warren County ATC. Nice. And so they're getting ready to graduate, I think 21 students. Wow. Here in May that will come out. And, and in fact, um, and they all have jobs already. Well, there was actually, and again, we, we still meet as a committee actually um, earlier, I think on Monday and Tuesday of this week, uh, the heavy equipment companies were in there interviewing students. So they're, so do they have jobs yet? I don't know. I don't know how those went, but there were, you know, those students were all getting a chance to interview with those companies. That's fantastic. That that is a success story. Yeah. That's uh, we have touched on that just a little in a previous podcast, but uh, that's the backstory is really interesting, and that's good to hear that. Uh, that's a true success story. That's really uh, a big problem for a lot of uh, companies that need heavy equipment operators they just can't find people right. and uh you know they, they they're working these six day weeks now and 10 hour days and especially when the weather's nice like it's been uh you know that's when you need folks out there on that heavy equipment so that, and they make good money yeah so so just uh one more thing on that is so but the, the vision didn't stop with high school it also is what's going to come what's going to take place this summer is we're going to run at least one, if not two, courses for adults. So SkyCTC will run two, four, one to two, four-week programs. We're going to fill the first cohort four weeks long. 
20 students. But so any, so anybody that's graduated or an adult that wants to get in and do that, it's pretty low cost. They're going to, so, so it's not just in the high school, but there's also an adult version that Sky CTC will and, run. And there's uh, always adults that are looking to retrain and try a different career path. So this might be an opportunity for them. Yeah. We're, we're, we're in a lot, we're in a lot of the school systems right now promoting it. Um, so for anybody that's, you know, maybe didn't get to go to Warren County ATC and go through the program, it's not too late. You can, you can go through this summer. Fantastic. So whether you're from Barron County, Warren County, uh, any of the surrounding counties, uh, there's an opportunity to come in and do this. That's fantastic. Well, before I let you go out, get out of here, um, I was going to ask you one other question. So what are some of the future goals and priorities uh, for your organization advancing workforce development and economic growth in the region? So what, what, what's the future looking like for you all? Yeah. Um, again, I like that question. Um, so the, in terms of, you know, running the workforce board and the, and the, you know, I've mentioned some of the funding challenges. I mean, I, future's not bright on the funding. I mean, I, our formula is not going to get, get better. Well, fortunately we have some legislators that listen to this. So, you know, hopefully they're hearing right, this. Good. I want to put some <laughs> few things in their ears. So, you know, I, to, on that note, there are States in this country that, that legis that legislate money, out of the state coffers to workforce boards to augment mm-hmm. what we owe a dozen. So if, if you have any legislators listening, uh, you know, if there's, there's something to maybe consider, but, but the, the beauty of the law that funds what we do, the workforce and, and, innovation and, opportunity. And, Act. I was going to say, what's we owe. A? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Workforce innovation opportunity. The, the beauty of that law is that um, it, it encourages innovation it's in the name and it encourages entrepreneurship. So actually besides running the workforce board, I'm also running two adjacent nonprofit organizations. And what I'm trying to do, my long-term vision is I've got to, I've got to, I've got to either generate grant funding or found or or revenue to, to supplement what we're trying, what we get with the governmental funding. So um, there's a lot of my energy going on towards that. Um, I'll give you an example uh, just from our neighbor in Clarksville. I, I went and met with the, the workforce director over there. She covers a 13-county region. Mm-hmm. She um, she generates about $6 million a year in revenue outside of WIOA wow. and her other governmental funding streams. And that's, that's allowed her to build out her own one-stop center. She... Uh, she runs, uh, you know, she she's she she runs on the weekends. She's running a uh, a uh, a driver's ed program for high uh, for high school students. Um, she runs. Uh, they do inside her center for profit drug testing for employers, uh, uh, physicals. So she she's been very innovative and creative in in figuring out ways to serve employers mm-hmm. and generate revenue. Because she owns her own building outright, the state state agencies pay her money for their, for their, for their staff to be in her building. Wow. So, you know, and so there's really great examples, you know, what they're doing in Louisville and Clarksville and other parts of the country. Sure. Our, our board has only been put together since 2017. I'm well aware. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, we reset. And so I'm really, I'm trying to grow. I'm trying to, you know, through these other nonprofits, through our foundation, trying to grow, our ability to serve this region because we, we cannot depend on, on we alone. We won't, right. we won't be able to have much impact if we do that. So it's, that, that sounds like what your future is going to be looking like for the next 
foreseeable future. Yeah, it is. Yeah, <laughs> uh, trying to trying to grow that and and get investments from whatever entity out there, whether it's state government, local government, or private industry. Right. Yeah. I what attracted you know I retired out of the military, but what attracted me to um, the workforce was not only the ability to continue to serve in some capacity, but I saw in it the ability to be entrepreneurial yeah. and innovative, and uh, that attracted me. And so that's what I'm trying to do. Well, we we appreciate, you know, I'm speaking for all the employers and employees and uh, businesses, uh, uh, the, the work that you and, and your team is doing uh, at the South Central Workforce Development Board. If someone wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to do it? Southcentralworkforce.com. Pretty easy. That's easy. Uh or look us up on social media. I've got a really, I've got a really active social media, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter. Um, I, I got a staff member that's constantly putting stuff out every day. So. And and we'll share those links on our uh, social medias as well. The the Decesary Group uh, social media links right, as well. Yeah, appreciate that. Yeah. Oh no, glad to do it. Hey John, thanks for being with us. Yes, sir. I appreciate again. I appreciate the opportunity to talk workforce. Uh, um, I'm I'm passionate about it. Well, we pre- we you know we're all we're all about talking about economic development and business. Not only how to promote it, but also how to. Uh, keep them open and employ uh, staffed up so they can keep the doors open as well. And and that's, that's a p- big part where you come into play. Yeah. I, I think, um, again, a little bit of a tangent here, you know, there, there's the state puts a lot of effort and emphasis and money behind economic development. Mm-hmm. Um, workforce development can't be an afterthought on that. I mean, there's gotta be, we gotta be thinking it's one thing to get companies to come here, but then, but then, then turn to the workforce folks and say, "Okay, now fill all these roles." Yeah, they got to work in concert with each other. We got to work in hand. concert. Yeah, yeah. there's got to be, uh, there, you know, there's got to, yeah, there's got to be collaboration there. Absolutely. It's, it, it's not going to get easier to find talent. I mean, there's a people are distracted these days. Yeah. It's just you know, uh, the and, and there's a lot of competition. A lot of competition. Well, if you, if you just. I know we're trying to wrap this up. If you just look at numbers, right? The the the, the baby boomers are the largest generation we've ever had. The number the, the population declines behind it are significant. I mean, so right. so it's a numbers thing too. It's it's not just distractions, uh, you know, side hustles and gig economy. It's also a numbers thing. So yeah. we've we've really got to collaborate and um, work together as a as you know private industry, public workforce. We've got to work together to figure out how to get get the talent and the numbers needed. Well, and we're fortunate to have you and, and the Workforce Development Board to, to help with that problem. Thanks for being right. on the program. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the DeCesare Group podcast and my conversation with John Sowards, president and CEO of the South Central Workforce Development Board. What a lot of great information he shared with us on this show. At the DeCesare Group, we want you to come grow with us. Like and subscribe to the podcast and our newsletter, and follow us on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Today's program is produced by the DeCesare Group. Our engineer is Justin DeCesare with content contributions from Book Mattingly and Amy DeCesare. Keep listening to the DeCesare Group podcast and hear from industry leaders, business owners, and experts about the latest economic development and business activities in South Central Kentucky. Until next time, I'm Jim DeCesare.